Broadcasting to millions from WebmasterRadio.fm's world headquarters in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Welcome to Rainmaker. Rainmaker. Hosted by the founders of Webmaster Radio, Darren Pappen, also known as Essie Guru, and his beautiful co-host, Brandy Shapiro-Babin. Brandy. From their persistent work ethic to their personal accomplishments, Darren and Brandy bring you candid, no-holds-barred interviews and commentary with guests that exhibit inspiration, dedication to their craft, and leave an indelible mark on their path to success. And now, Webmaster Radio presents a program that is truly the destination for education and entertainment. This is Rainmaker. Well, hello, everybody. It is Thursday, May the 22nd, and uh, it is another edition of Rainmaker. How are you, sweetheart? I'm young. Joined by my lovely partner, Brandy Shapiro-Babbitt. Thank you. I am young. I am very young. I keep, I'm going to keep saying that to myself. I am so young, I have a stepson who is graduating <laughs> high school this weekend. Yeah, I know. I know. It makes me feel old, but you're young. I'm young. <laughs> Dead at 19, alive at 99, and my real age is somewhere in between. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. Absolutely. I'm, 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 what, what, I'm ageless. <laughs> I defy age. <laughs> you, yes. Here, let, <laughs> let me push that over there for you. So how are you? I'm doing fabulous. It's it's kind of crappy outside. Just, you, you, you just came in from uh, from the blustery uh, nastiness. Deluge. The yeah. two-week, it's summer in Florida weather. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. How are you doing, my handsome hubby? Absolutely. Doing doing well. Um, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to the show tonight. You are? I really am. <laughs> Why are you looking forward to the show tonight? Well, for, for a number of reasons. But, um, you know, qu- quite honestly, <laughs> I'll tell you, I want to know what fuck the sweater vests is all about. <laughs> honestly. Honestly. Well, you know what? Honestly, honestly, I think what makes our featured guest so interesting, or part of what makes her so interesting, is um, brilliant writer, brilliant presenter, and everything that I've ever seen our guests this evening do, she puts her own personal spin on it. So I would think that, um, you know, fuck the sweater fest. <laughs> she would have no issues, because she's absolutely a gal who's all about being, I think, authentic. Um, so without further ado, would you like to do the introduction? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Lacey, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's quite an introduction. Well, Sarah, I got to tell you, you know, I, I've 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 been following the Lacey phenomenon for a little while. Okay, <laughs> forget forget the Zuckerman ph- phenomenon. Let's talk about the Lacey phenomenon for a minute. Um, you you you've been out there, um, kind of on the on the front lines of of you know tech and and business for a while, haven't you? Yeah, I've been a business reporter over ten years. Most of it in Silicon Valley. Very, very outspoken as well. <laughs> yes. I find myself constantly the subject of controversy, even though I think I'm never saying anything controversial or doing anything so, controversial. So how does, how does that happen, though? Because it, it, it kind of, it's kind of like, you know, Linus, or is it, is it Linus, you know, with the little cloud behind it? No, like, no, I think Linus. No, <laughs> that's no, not Linus, pig but pen. it's Pigpen. Pig you're going right? to call her Pigpen? No, 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 no. Well, right? Yeah, that's not very nice. <laughs> but, but just a, a dust of craziness that's always going on around you. There is. I mean, I've tried 
to figure out exactly why it is too. Um, you know, I grew up like I'm. I know you guys are in Florida, right? Absolutely. So, so I'm a Southern girl. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, and growing up in the South, I think you know women were supposed to behave a certain way. So, growing up, I think I was always one of those sort of controversial people that people either really liked or really hated um, because I was just very outspoken and sort of very myself and I'm not really good at lying or Admit hiding it. things. You're a rebel, aren't you? No, I'm not really a rebel, though. That's what, that, this is what people miss about me. I'm never actually trying to be controversial or trying to be, you know, provocative in any way. It just sort of happens. So, you know, I think here it's one of those situations where there aren't very many women covering this scene. I'm sort of at this weird intersection between uh, tech and business and culture in Silicon Valley. And, um, you know, I, for better or for worse, sort of have to live my life publicly on the web because of the age we're in and, and what I do for a living in the scene I cover. So, I don't know. People just look for stuff, I guess. Yeah, well, you know what? But I think, A, I, I agree with you. I think people look for things. And then I think on the flip side, like, you're being Sarah. And that's yeah. why, that's why you're employed, Cupcake, right? Right. I just call her, <laughs> just call her because if you were vanilla and bland, you know, why would anyone be interested in listening to what you had to say? Right? Right, exactly. I mean, it's that it's that sort of uncomfortable situation where as a reporter, you're supposed to get a, get a lot of flack for everything you're doing. I mean, if you did stuff and no one commented on it and it didn't cause controversy, you're probably either not being honest enough if you're blogging or writing about yourself. Um, if you're writing about others, you're probably not being hard enough on them. You're probably not asking the right questions. Um, so it's it, it kind of sucks to always be in the middle of controversy sometimes. But you, sadly, it sort of means I'm doing my job well. Yeah, it does. It does. So let's, for those of you that do not know, which you all should know, um, let's, let's, you know, Sarah's been she's reported on startups and venture capital in Silicon Valley for nearly a decade. She writes a biweekly column for Business Week and also co-hosts, if you want to see her face in full bloom, large breasts, I'm sorry, I have to... <laughs> really, it's gonna be that kind of show. It's gonna, you know, I, it wasn't. I gotta. Say, I like a woman that makes a good I presentation. Say, Fuck the sweater vest. You know what? Sorry. No, that's what, we never swear on this show. Now, now, look at you're you're bringing us to I've a whole. Never, we're, we're gonna edit it the hell out of this podcast. We are. No, like we're not. Show. No, we're not. Okay. But um, she and she, you also host TikToker on Yahoo Finance, and they say that everyone's got a book in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm digging into this already. Yeah, we just we unfortunately I'll be honest with you, we unfortunately have not been able. No, 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 not yet. But I'm digging. But we will. Yep, he is digging because this is all about our life. To be honest with you. Except well, you'll be excited <laughs> if you like. Not mentioned you, here, but that's okay. If you like, fuck the sweater vest. You'll love the book because every single person in it drops f bombs constantly. That's, that's <laughs> it's not a book that's going to be sold in Christian bookstores. No, which you know, but 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 she did. She just penned this book called "Once You're Lucky, Twice You're Good: The Rebirth of Silicon Valley and the Rise of." Web 2.0, and you guys can go and get it, you know, at all the major bookstores and Amazon. But it's it's an awesome story of where people came from, how they got where they are. Um, a lot and of some inside and scoop, some inside scoop. And, and, and before we get to that, let's rewind the clock a little bit. What made you get into this field in the first place? What attracted you to it? Um, well, it's. It's funny because people who grow up with me, and a lot of them are just kind of discovering me now because there's been a lot written about me, and they're like, what are you doing, and how did you end up being a business reporter? Like, I, I never thought I would go into journalism. I've never taken a journalism class. I've never taken a business class. 
Um, I certainly wasn't very techy growing up, so it is sort of bizarre. Um, what happened was I always liked writing, and um, I was a literature major in college, so I really loved seeing connections between things and sort of deconstructing stories and, and deconstructing, you know, characters in literature. And um, I wound up, I went to college in, in Memphis and wound up doing an internship at uh, the Memphis Business Journal, which is just an excellent uh, local uh, weekly paper, and really just fell in love with it. And, you know, I had this editor um, who was like Ed Asner from Mary Tyler Moore, and, you know, it's like one of those people who just thought I was going to be this great business reporter, and I was like, well, that's bizarre, but, you know, he, but he groomed gave you. me... Yeah, he did. Yeah. He gave me a lot of leash and really encouraged me. And uh, I was covering finance for them when I graduated from college, which was bizarre because I, I literally didn't even know what a stock was. I mean, I knew nothing. But how did you get there? Yeah, but uh, how did yes. you get there? I mean, really, like, because, I mean, these are very, I mean, I understand Memphis may not be, you know, a, um, a huge a huge market, but, like, the Memf- the paper that you mentioned is actually, it's got a really good reputation. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely one of the best, like, right. business weeklies in the, the country. Right. It, when they never hire people out of college. I mean, it was really, like, a case where right. I was just, he saw something in me and was like, hey, do you want a job? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And he's like, well, we've got banking and finance open. That's usually the senior reporter's beat. Do you think you can handle it? And I was like, absolutely. And I like, went home and read Finance for Dummies in one night. And basically what I had to do, because Memphis is a very old boys network, mm-hmm. I really had to do all interviews over the phone the first couple of years because I was 22 and people are 21 or something like that. And no one thought I could possibly understand what they were talking about. And I started covering, this was like in the late 90s, and so I started covering venture capital coming into the southeast for the first time from sort of a financial and cultural perspective and then that sort of led me out to silicon valley and i came here in the peak of the web bubble and sort of stayed here ever since so you know most people i know have great careers just kind of fall into it one way or another you know what that's so true and that's actually what this show is about is like understanding the path people took to get where they are because Mm -hmm. everyone always walks a different path than they think they are when they're little kids so with that note let's take a quick break pay a little homage to our awesome advertisers and we'll be right back with sarah lacy sit tight and don't move rainmaker we'll be back after this short break Welcome to Madame Natalia's. You've come to have your future told, no? Yeah, you see, I'm looking for the right life insurance affiliate program, and I have... Say no more. I see you're working with AccuQuote. AccuQuote? Yes, AccuQuote. They are the nation's premier life insurance brokerage. Go on. AccuQuote will create custom creatives for you to optimize your eCPM and... They will offer you the highest payout for this offer anywhere. So when's all this going to happen? As soon as you visit AccuQuote.com. For life insurance, visit AccuQuote.com. When it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic with over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield. Their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search, abcsearch.com. Welcome back to our coverage of the 17th Annual Golf Invitational, brought to you by SureHits.com. 
When looking for the right ad network, there seem to be unlimited choices. Go with the only network that targets the insurance industry, SureHits.com. Let's head down to the fairway. Here we are at the 18th hole. Odd choice for Ken Mitchum to not go with SureHits.com here. I mean, they are the only ad network that targets the insurance industry. Definitely a strange choice to not pick the best option for publishers in the finest category, but, oh, here's a swing. Oh, look out, folks. Terrible slice into the woods. Jeff Burns now stepping up to the fairway. And it looks like he's already chosen SureHits.com. Clearly the best choice since they pay more for quality traffic. And the swing. Oh, my. He crushes it. When getting ready to make your drive, go with a sure thing. SureHits.com. For insurance, it's SureHits. PPC Rockstar. Get ready to rumble through the latest PPC news and views from around the blogosphere. Learn from our host, David Zatella, and the PPC pros that will take you to the promised land of PPC profit. PPC Rockstars. Live broadcast Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Find the WebmasterRadio.fm Web 2.0 watering hole and have a drink on us. WebmasterRadio.fm is now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Find us now on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. Two reasons for Workaholics Anonymous. You're listening to Rainmaker, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. All right, we are back, and uh, joining us this evening for Rainmaker, Sarah Lacey, author of Once You're Lucky, Twice You're Good, The Rebirth of Silicon Valley and the Rise of Web 2.0, and of course, longtime business reporter extraordinaire. Sarah, let me ask you a question. Okay. How was South by Southwest? <laughs> what did anything happen? <laughs> I don't no, know. I think the funniest part of South by Southwest was as I was getting ready to leave, and like you know, I'd just been to this insane, insane experience, which you know I should say was more positive than it was negative. I mean, and we can sort of go into all that, but at, at the end of it, I was leaving, and I you know sort of felt like I had ultimately won and taken back the night and all that, and I'm like brushing my teeth and packing in my hotel room. And I hear, I've CNN on, and I hear them say, you know, when we come back after the commercial, a reporter, you know, finds herself the story when an angry mob turns on her. And I was like, oh, my God, it's on CNN. Did nothing happen this weekend? So I'm sort of slow motion brushing my teeth during the commercials, just in horror, waiting for this to come back on. And it was actually this, like, reporter and, like, one of the Carolinas that literally got beat up. It had nothing to do with me. I, Sorry for her, but oh uh-huh. my god, that must have been like the longest two minutes of your uh-huh. life. <laughs> it was, it was. So, it was so like I was over it, but like definitely was like, oh my god, please don't be on scene. Well, no, because at that point you also have like your relatives. Now your relatives are calling you, and right? it, it already had gotten to that point. And I think what was the only thing that was actually frustrating to me about that event was it, it seemed very different outside of Austin than it actually was inside of Austin. And it seemed more like people were really chasing me around with torches and pitchforks, which in reality, it, there were like, even at the keynote, there were a, a couple, someone actually did a study of this, which is insane. But there were like a couple hundred people who were just, you know, saying I was the worst thing that had ever been born um, on Twitter. 
And they were negative from the second I got on stage. 60% of the notes were from three people. And not a single person other than Robert Scoble had the balls to actually have a conversation with me about it, engage with me directly. I even said during the keynote, you know, Mark and I are completely baffled by what's going on here. Can someone send me an email afterwards? No, not a single person did. And, you know, I mean, I've written really innocuous columns for Business Week where I've gotten hate mail. Like, it's, it's not that hard of a barrier for someone to send you an email. So... What does that tell you about it, you know? There were 8,000 people in the room. I was out at events all week. I had nothing of people coming up and, like, hugging me. It, it was, it, it was sounded more overblown than it was. You know, which is okay. I mean, at the end of the day, right, do they say? No, no publicity is bad publicity. Um, but, like, what did, what did you take away from that? I mean, outside the fact that, like, yeah, it's a couple of bad apples that screw it for the bunch, right? But, but, right. but what did you, what did you take like what did you personally take out of that like if you could do something differently or whatever what would you do differently well you know I don't think there's anything I necessarily would have done differently um, I mean I don't think it was a bad keynote frankly I think if it had been anywhere else it would have been really successful I think it was the best q and I've seen Mark do on stage and I think he felt the same way and I think the Facebook people felt the same way in fact Michael Arrington did which is one of the reasons he immediately started defending me because he had interviewed Mark on stage before and he was like if they heckled you they would have crucified me you did a better job than I did so you know I don't know that there's anything sort of in the questioning or any of that I would have done differently I think um it was a it was a bad match for a South by Southwest audience um and there were some things that you know they did differently like encouraged us not to take questions and things the audience were expecting so it's like they're kind of those troubleshooting things you would go back and, and look at but on a grand scale, I don't know that I would. I mean, the thing is, this is not, even though it was very public and it was out in the open and it was written about, this isn't the first time I've been mass attacked. And it's, it happens a lot. I mean, and it's happened much worse. And there are times when it's been a lot more hurtful. And so, you know, I've just learned that there are people who really like what I do and there are people who really hate what I do. And... You know, it's important to, to listen to what people are saying about you because I do think you can learn a lot from your critics. But ultimately, you just can't get wrapped up in this. I mean, this one reason I wanted to write this book is because the Internet is something that people just feel emotionally about. And, you know, we always have these people in Silicon Valley who come out in their early 20s and, you know, start some company that becomes this huge American success story. But what, what really changed in the 90s with the Internet is that people could come out and do it in such a short period of time mm-hmm. because you weren't having to build, like, a foundry for chips or you weren't having to build a computer. I mean, you were, you know, right. building like basically... Brick and Right. Yeah, it was. It had all the advantages of software, but at the same time could have an immediate user base around the world. So there's something about Silicon Valley and Internet success stories that people love and hate at the same time. And every time I write about one of these guys, somehow that shifts onto me. And, you know, I think there are people who came to that event wanting to hate someone. Yeah, because I think, you know, I, I'm... I'm sort of doing what what you were yelled at doing but oh well screw screw <laughs> screw them we're our own people <laughs> i think people because everyone after someone has a success like i happen to be um and darren i think i'm going to speak for you if if someone does really well we get excited and we also go cool if they did awesome that means we can do awesome but mm-hmm. a lot of people run around and go damn i should have thought of that idea right yeah, that's right. the haters out there right and, and well and Think about the people who were in the audience that were upset. They weren't people from Silicon Valley. They weren't venture capitalists. They weren't entrepreneurs doing cool stuff. All the people that I know and interact with from Silicon Valley in this scene weren't a part of that mob. It's people who are random, like, coders and developers 
from, you know, who come to South by Southwest to participate in this, like, sort of weird, geek, fratty scene. And, you know, they were mad I wasn't asking about APIs, and they were like, oh, she's an idiot, she doesn't know anything about tech. Why the CEO of a company value, valued at $15 billion? He's not going to talk about APIs. Active role in the yeah. product is going to talk about APIs. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. But beyond that, I mean, they're all, they've, they've spent their whole life working in tech, and they're looking at this, you know, guy, this 21-year-old kid, everyone thinks is cocky, that's built this thing that they all love and hate at the same time. It was an emotionally charged room for those people, I yeah, think. Which I think is exciting. And, but I also think, like, this is, it's interesting to hear sort of the path that you took, because you did, you, you know, you, you started off, you know, in Memphis, and you were on a phone, right? You didn't go to mm-hmm. people because no one would take you seriously. Right. Right? Then, then you started to get some momentum because you had this pen name that people knew. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's let, let's talk about like, you know, then you go to like, come on. Sto- I mean, you can't get more stoic than Business Week. I know. Like, that's the thing. I have the least sexy career possible. Like, I don't understand why people say that, like, uh, people who try to call me some bimbo or something. I'm like, really? Like, Business Week? Print? <laughs> like, I've covered agribusiness. Like, this is, that is the least, like, glamorous, sexy job you can possibly do. It's the least sexy job, but you are managing to make it sexy how are you how are you kind of traversing that and I, don't, I don't mean sexy in a in a in a female way right. i mean sexy in a cool edgy you know you're you're bringing um readership you know to business week that they hadn't captured before because of of your approach how are you doing that well you know to me it goes back to the fact that i never studied journalism and never studied business so i don't and, and you know was not i was never an engineer so like i don't come at these stories looking at stock price or looking at you know the the underlying tech behind something or any of that i mean i come to it looking at the people and what makes the people interesting to me and what i've always been good at with business at business week and particularly was telling really really great people stories and great culture stories and sort of teasing these things out behind the business Mm -hmm. that are also directly tied into the business Mm -hmm. if that makes sense and that's why I've never I've never moved to New York I mean most people assume I I work in New York because most you know most business reporters that you would recognize their name do but I've refused to do that because I love covering Silicon Valley and it moves so fast and it's so dynamic and so culturally rich I don't think you can do it well from New York um, so, you know, I, I try to talk about the culture. I try to write about people before they're, you know, before they're what Larry and Sergey are now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my Business Week cover that I co-wrote was the first big national press that Kevin Rose had ever gotten. I mean, I first interviewed Mark Zuckerberg when he was 19. Um, I mean, I sort of seek out a lot of these people when they're first starting out. And a lot of the entrepreneurs I spend a lot of, like, my personal time getting to know don't ever become the next Mark Zuckerberg. But for the ones that do, it's this fascinating ride. And when you get to know them on the front end and, and you know, and mm-hmm. believe they're doing something interesting, you see a totally different side of that person than once they're already famous and every reporter wants to ride on them. Oh, so absolutely. I try how, to... Sorry, how do, you, how do you choose, right? Like, that was a very interesting thing that you go and you research and you find these people before they've come into their own. Like, what, mm-hmm. what sort of your personal criteria for picking out those diamonds in a raw... Well, you know, the bulk of what I did when I first moved to Silicon Valley was really cover venture capital as an industry intensively. And I try, you know, there's a lot of ways that being a journalist is similar to being a venture capitalist, um, you know, except the money. But, you know, and part of it is is really picking the things that you're going to, you know, 
this, what's going to be the next big story in the Valley, because it's so competitive to cover uh, tech here. And so I tried to learn from venture capitalists that I really respected. And one of the things is to always, to never focus on the company or the business idea or the business model early on, but to focus on the entrepreneur. And like, do you think this entrepreneur is, first of all, interesting? Um, second of all, someone that you believe is going to build something huge. And so, uh, like, for instance, when I first started working on the book in 2006, one of the most controversial people that I picked to kind of open it and close it was uh, Max Levchin of Slide. And Max was well known from funding, starting PayPal, but Slide was a company that was getting absolutely no respect in the Valley. And, you know, still to a degree, I think, doesn't get the, the respect for what it's built, part of which is because Max is very paranoid and doesn't doesn't tell people a lot of the numbers behind Slide. But uh, at any rate, you know, everyone... I was mocked by people who were like, why would you put Slide in this book? They're just doing MySpace slideshows. Why would that be in the same league with, you know, YouTube and Facebook? And I wasn't sure it was either at the time, to be honest. But I thought Max was one of the most driven, competitive, and fascinating people I'd ever met in the Valley. And when you're here long enough, you see how much people change their business model. I mean, Mm -hmm. PayPal started as a company that was beaming money between Palm Pilots. Right. You know, and people didn't invest in it because of that. And, you know, if people had invested in Max and Peter as entrepreneurs, they would have made a lot of money. So right. but that's what, how I go by it. Yeah, no, it's just so cool. But what, it, like, some of the, um, like, the constant themes, like, what makes someone compelling to you? What makes them fascinating and intriguing? Well, you know, when you work for Business Week, unfortunately, or any national publication, you don't really get to write about startups all the time because it's very hard to make that sell to a New York-based publication. So you end up having to cover a lot of big public companies as well. And executives at public companies are really boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they all, they're so media trained and they all, you know, get up at 5 a.m. to go jogging. I mean, it's it, you have to really pull teeth and do a lot of reporting to do an interesting profile about someone who is an executive at a public company. Yeah, who's um, absolutely like not allowed to say anything. Right, exactly. So the thing that's great so with entrepreneurs, I mean, I look for the wackiest, most quirky, most bizarre, most interesting person that I can really just kind of dive into who they are and what makes them interesting. I mean, gr- good entrepreneurs are that way because they can't work for anyone else. I mean, they're almost socially dysfunctional in a way. <laughs> and I think... One thing that's bad is, you know, Mark Benioff was really great at sort of playing that role um, when he was starting Salesforce, and he got all this press for it. So then you saw a rash of, like, enterprise software executives who were always trying to be wacky. And so, like, I don't want anyone listening to this to be like, all right, I'm going to go out and buy a big, goofy pair of glasses and a clown wig. Like, that's not what I'm talking about, because you can see through it when someone's just trying to, like, get attention. But, I mean, the real wacky people don't understand that they're wacky. that they're wacky. I mean, <laughs> Max was saying, in fact, reading the book, that he kept going back and forth between, oh, my God, me and my friends are so awesome, to like, oh, my God, are we all really this fucked up? I mean, <laughs> seeing it sort of with that mirror, I think, was sort of striking for these guys. Right, because the way you perceive yourself is not the way other people perceive you. Right. And like, I feel bad for them. I mean, I spent, like, literally hundreds of hours with these guys, and, like, my average interview in one sitting was, like, four to six hours. So, like, there are things that they didn't even remember telling me that, like, we're going to wind up in this book. So you so, have, like, this, what do you have, like, this big light you shine on them for four to six hours? I know, I know. And so it's like, I would never, I would never have subjected myself to what they subjected themselves to, and I would hate to read anything this personal about me and have it so on display. So I, I sort of have 
endless respect and uh, gratitude that they all put up with it. Sarah, we're going to run off uh, and take a quick break real quick. When we come back, folks, we're going to talk about the book a little bit more in depth before we get out of here. Stay tuned, folks. When we come back, a little bit more about the Mark Zuckerberg phenomenon. Stay with us. Vacation is not in their blackberries. We'll be back with more Rainmaker after this. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Susan, you're still responsible for digital marketing programs, right? Right. So your team is responsible for email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign optimization, and scheduling? Your point? Why are you so relaxed? My team deals with five different solutions, tech support teams, and just as many invoices, and it's making us mental. What is it? Aromatherapy? Acupuncture? Why are you so relaxed? You just have to simplify your tool set and unify your team. Lyris provides totally integrated email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign management, and calendaring functionality. It's all in one spot that provides a holistic view of all your team's efforts. And you get all of this functionality for $299 a month. So with Lyris, one company can do it all. I feel like I can cancel that acupuncture appointment already. To see how Lyris can simplify your life, visit Lyris.com or call 1-888-GO-LYRIS. Simplify, unify, and increase ROI with Lyris today. Can you believe how long it takes to order food here? Uh, Here we go. Excuse me. She's not even looking over here. Great service is hard to come by. Whether you're sitting at a bar, restaurant, or creating effective search advertising campaigns. Um, excuse me. I think we need to go somewhere else. It's easy to feel forgotten, especially when your advertising budget is on the line. LookSmart serves up to 400 million queries a day with a side of the best customer service in the online advertising industry. Hi, how are y'all doing today? What can I get you folks to eat? You were right. This place is so much better. LookSmart, premium and performance advertising solutions. SEO 101 is now in session. Talking about the wild fluctuations in the Google search lately. Wild. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah it, it's really that been... Was, that was creepy, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was beyond creepy, dude. That, that was the idea. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that, Great. Uh, good. Yeah. New episodes Mondays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. And check out their live broadcast Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. The whoring of Facebook for promotional purposes continues with the WebmasterRadio.fm Facebook fan page. Join our fans by clicking the Facebook logo on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage and keep up to date with all the latest. Become a fan on Facebook. Now back to Rainmaker, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. All right, we are back for our final segment, welcoming back Sarah Lacey. 
author of Once You're Lucky, Twice You're Good, The Rebirth of Silicon Valley and the Rise of Web 2.0. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. So let's Is there ta- a final segment we don't get to do anymore? Uh, but we got to have you back. Okay. Are you good with that? Yes, I would love to. Perfect, because we're just scratching the surface with this book. Yeah. And, and I, I really, like, you've got some, there's some true insight here into some of the inner workings of a lot of the, well, like you heard during the break, you know, um, we're whoring for Facebook for the promotional <laughs> purposes, right? Like, we're all out there, you know, interacting with, you know, these Web 2.0 um, and, and social, you know, networking environments. Um, and, you know, you've you've had your head under the hood, so to speak, um, and, and have a little bit of insight uh, in into uh, you know these these areas. So t- tell me a little bit what 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 was the catalyst for the book? Well, basically, I did um, a cover for Business Week on Kevin Rose, um, and it was supposed to be more broadly about sort of these new moguls of Web 2.0. And there was a handful of guys that I'd spent a lot of time with um, for you know five or six months. And it was a very non-traditional um, Business Week cover, and uh, my co-writer, Jesse Hemphill, and I had you know a devil of a time actually getting it on the cover and getting it done. Um, but once we did, you know, it came out the deadest week of the year in August, and it was outsold every other cover by more than 50%. I mean, there clearly was a lot of demand for this topic, you know, across the country and really around the world. Um, we're I'm, feeling a well of, I'm feeling a welling of pride for you. <laughs> oh, so sweet. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I felt like I'd used about 5% of my reporting in that cover. And I felt like if there, I, I really felt like I'd sort of stumbled into this, something exciting was happening in Silicon Valley in this sector. And I happened to be lucky enough to be the reporter that was in the middle of it and had access to people that didn't want to talk to the press. So I felt like I had this unique opportunity to tell a story that really needed to be told Mm. because no one had reported as this wave of companies had developed because the web was such a pariah and anyone building a web business was such a pariah. And you can see by the reaction to the cover we did on Kevin, like that got, that created controversy. People said we were trying to incite another web bubble and we were slammed. And I mean, even, even then as these companies were building back up, no one wanted to listen. No one wanted to hear about it. But they, but they did at the same time. So I just came convinced this was a really important story to tell. I knew if a cover was too small to do it, the only way to do it was in a book. And at the same time, um, an editor from Penguin actually called me and said, you know, would you like to work on this you know, book about Web 2.0 with someone else? And it was another project that I wasn't really interested in. And I said, well, I don't really want to do that. I think I'm going to do my own book. And she was like, well, what do you want to do? And I explained it. And she was like, well, I'd much rather do that book. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of one of these things where it just sort of came together in like a weekend. Like I wrote the proposal like in a, a day because it so was in my head for months and months and months. So, you know, we were talking earlier about me being subject of controversy. It seems like in my life, all the things that should be really hard come together really easily and things that should be really easy, like just doing a and a on stage, become this <laughs> huge drama. <laughs> right. So. No, you know what? But I'm the Yeah, but same you wouldn't way. have it any, any other way, right? No, probably not. Well, you know what? I don't actually like to be hated. I'm not one of these people that just gets off on that. But if I had to have one or the other, I would probably like the big things to be easy. Yeah, but can I tell you, I, I, I kind of like the love-hate relationship because you know when you've got very outspoken, loud haters out there, you're doing something right. 
No, you do, and it's but it's like one of those intellectual things that you know, and you'd be upset if it wasn't there. Yeah, but. I, you know, I don't actually like being hated. I have no. to say. Like, it's, not, it's not fun. And it's, I mean, but the thing is, it's really bad. It's bad for your loved ones. I mean, it's very hard on my husband. Like, at South by Southwest, I mean, he basically was having to sit helplessly while he read hundreds uh, of wow. blog posts and messages of people writing really graphic sexual things about me. Like, oh, really? no. Oh, my God. I'm That's so horrible. sorry. I was, I, yeah. you know, when I, when I started at the beginning of that, I wasn't even. I, yeah. yeah. So let me not let me erase what I said in that, the very beginning. No, I don't mean that. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about incredibly. You no, know, I'm sure horrible horribly day. rude. But you know, but yes, I I find it interesting in life. It's true. A lot of times, like the hard stuff is the easier stuff, and, and the other. But you know, if you found your, you've gotten a thicker skin, like do things roll off your back a little easier now, or you still go yeah, home and machinate. I think so. I mean, like I said, I've always been someone who a lot of people just hated for whatever reason. So, you, you elicit you know, think, a response, right? Yeah, I think growing up, I never felt like everyone had to like me. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, it's it's hard because people take something you're doing for a living that you're working really hard at that they've never tried to do, and they turn it into a personal attack against you. And that's my problem is when someone turns it into a personal attack. If someone just writes about, like, my work and they keep it on a professional level, then that's fine. But it's it's when it gets really personal that it's just... But the thing that's good about that is I think people see through it really easily. I mean, with you know, in the case with South by Southwest and even some of the stuff people wrote about me at the time of my Business Week cover, um, it gets so extreme that... People read it and they're like, well, obviously this person has a weird issue with you. Right. I agree. I mean, I, I agree. I, I think mean, it's never hurt me. I've never lost a job. I've never lost a source. I've never lost a friend. Every time I get mass attacked, I end up making more money. So it's like there's no sign that it's a bad thing for me. I just, on a human level, I find it somewhat disturbing that so many people could hate me without ever having well, met me. Well, to know you, right. And, and you know what? Right. And it's, but it's not. Like when you say that people are personally attacking you. Like they're actually they're not attacking you. They're attacking right. they're attacking what they believe you stand for. You know, like mm-hmm. like someone once on a forum called me white trash, mm-hmm. and all these people, you know, people, oh my god, did you see that? And they called you white trash and da da da. And I'm laughing, and they're like, why aren't you upset? And I'm going because you can call me a lot of things that would probably hurt my feelings. Yeah, right. <laughs> I ain't you know I ain't no white trash, and everyone knows it. So right. right. So at the end of the day, I think like that's kind of. Like, that's neat for you. It's not a personal attack. They're attacking what it is they believe you stand for or what you have and they don't have. It's the haves and the have-nots. And isn't it nice that you may go home and look in the mirror and see something a little bit differently, but they all see you as being a complete have. Well, and I mean, that is the thing that's... What I told people at the time of South by Southwest, because I I frankly got a lot of letters from women who were in journalism, and there was one girl who was there who felt like, who came to talk to me later and just said, I'm going to have to quit this career because... Like, if no matter how successful I am, you still get treated like that. You know, why am I doing this? And, you know, I I don't want anyone to feel that way. I mean, things like that are really rare. Like, on the whole, like, I think I'm treated very well. Oh, my God. Not objectified. And, you know, the thing is, I have an amazing life. I mean, I I have this great on-camera job. I get to write a column. I do my blog. I wrote this great book. And I get to hang out with some of the most fascinating people in business today. So if the price is that a bunch of people feel they need to attack me every six months, you know, that's something I'm willing to pay. You know what? And, And that girl that came up to you and said you know what sorry you gotta toughen up cookie 
Well, yeah, and that is actually what I tell women sometimes. Because as much as I feel sorry for women in this business to a degree, you know, you also, you got to deal with it. Like, suck it up. It's the world we're given, you know? Yeah, make it make it your own, right? Everyone right. has the opportunity. Walk your own path. Live the legend. And you know what? Talking about living legends... You're speaking to one. <laughs> <laughs> She's just having fun with herself yeah. over here. You know, I don't want to end, but we need to end. And But we are going to have you back. Because we, 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 we didn't talk about the book at all. I we didn't know, talk. We, we barely horrible. even scratched the, you know what? We barely scratched the surface. So you, so. Now, I, I, and I got to tell you, guys, for, for, for my buds in the chat room, they're listening to this. And there's they're, they're, they're in there kind of joking around saying, uh, you could use their service for some of your hate. Uh, uh, their service for one of your, <laughs> for some of your haters. Gosh darn! If I could get that out. Um, there, there's a guy in there that. Uh, oh, actually, this is, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, so you know, he he, he 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 has a farm of dogs and and he, he packages up their remains anonymously in wonderful little tins and sends them with wonderfully crafted notes uh, for those admirers that you may have. Well, you know what? If anyone ever ha- actually had the balls to sign their real name, I, my mother-in-law wants to make T-shirts that say "I Twitter because I'm bitter" to send all of them. Oh, I love it! That's awesome. That is that is awesome. That's great. You know what? So on that note, we are going to uh, have to bid Miss uh, Miss Lacey adieu. And, and folks, make sure you prepare for her next interview. Run right out. Uh, or open a browser, head over to Amazon. The book is called Once You're Lucky, Twice You're Good, The Rebirth of Silicon Valley and the Rise of Web 2.0 by author Sarah Lacey. Sarah, thanks I promise for... it's actually about people doing important things, not about me at all. Well, fa- Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Dig, Slide, Ning, LinkedIn, like you've got the inside scoop on all this stuff. It's and guys, the backstory. You, really, it is. It's the backstory. And, and, and everybody listening to this, uses uh, these services or is definitely familiar with them. So yeah, definitely owe it to yourself to go check out this book. Thanks again. And uh, that is going to do it for another edition of Rainmaker. Thank you so um, much. Folks, I, I, I do want to tell you that... Uh, we're we, not old. We, we're not. We're not. We're really not. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like it considering <laughs> no, you know, the, the, the I, impending I weekend. You. you look great. But you know what? Right now, your no. son is still a high school student making history this weekend. He is graduating. Sorry. I got a flight. So. I'm, I'm taking this book with me. Uh, I'm going to read this because uh, <clears throat> I'll avoid the mental thought of feeling old by reading Sarah's book. Or no, now we could feel even older because half the people in there are like. 20. No, I gotta tell you, this is this is you know. No, there's um, a lot. It, 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 I, it's great to see the mindset and, and the culture behind the people who have struck gold on the internet. It's important. Yeah, and I haven't right? gotten all the way through here yet, but but I'm looking at chapter eight, and it's called World Domination. I have well, a feeling exactly I know what that, that is. is. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so so I am I'm, I'm really excited to to, to get into the book. Uh, again, guys, make sure you go check this out. Or, or you can find out probably, I would assume, more information at SarahLacy.com. That's L-A-C-Y. Um, and, and oh, my God, we, we are. we got to get out of here. We, we, we do. we got to go get packed. Oh, my God, we really do. we got to go show up in, a little show up and done. Yeah. You know, um, we'll, we'll be in Houston tomorrow. Wow, my home stomping turf. Ah, yeah. We're out of here. I'm taking this woman shopping. We're going to go get some dinner. We're going to get packed. We're going to head to Houston. We'll be thinking about you guys. Y'all have a great holiday weekend. Have a safe Memorial Day weekend. We'll see you guys next week 
right back here for another edition. Oh, and it's Dr. Agustin. So we can talk more oh, about getting right. healthy and fit for Author the summer. Of the South Beach diet. Woo! Right here next week, folks, on Rainmaker.